the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Vern Tyler is with us tonight in studio from Hosanna Pathways. More information, by the way, on the web at hosannapathways.org. And, um, of course, um, we're talking about the Hosanna Parent Project and some of these skills that can be employed by parents to learn how to change up the dialogue, change up the approach, change up the, the conversation, so to speak, to, uh, to address many of the challenging behaviors that we've been talking about in tonight's program. Let's jump into a, quick, a couple of quick calls here. We're going to lead off first with Liz, who's here in the Bay Area. Liz, come on in with your comment or question for Vern Tyler. Hi, Mr. Tyler, and thank you, Craig. I was just wondering, um, when parents find themselves in a situation, especially through divorce, that things just kind of went wrong, and um, you want to start to, you know, repairing forward, what are some strategies that you suggest? Number one, I'm sure you realize this, most children who are a product of divorce deal with very deep anger. Anger that is very difficult to even disclose to, I'm going to say, a counselor. Um, I find um, dealing with these kids in prayer oftentimes reveals a depth that I can't get in a counseling kind of an environment. Um, so you've got to realize, number one, these kids are normally going to be very bitter. They're going to be bitter at both uh, uh, parents because... Now they have to split their loyalties. Uh, of course, they look at the future and say, I'm really not going to have a com- consolidated family where I can bring my grandchildren to. Uh, those are issues that are very unsettling. So you've got to realize that you're dealing with this to begin with, and it uh, um, uh, is going to, to uh, cause anger to show or reveal itself normally in your children. Uh, I try to get, it, with the parent project training, I try to get both parents, even if they're divorced or separated, whatever the case is, get them there so that you can get on the same page. If you can understand how you encourage children, as opposed to uh, letting them languish in their anger and their bitterness, you're going to be able to make some progress. But it's rather unlikely to see any progress if you don't take some of these constructive steps. Um, I can't get, give you all the steps here on the air, but again, I would suggest you take uh, one of my parenting project classes, which would give you your Christian uh, curriculum, Christian principles, Christian virtues that you can use, and I think you'll see that they'll be very, very helpful. Okay, and so going online, um, I'm sure that there's information. Are they kind of like regular classes that you offer? Uh, they're 12 hours of classes. Uh, and they're three-hour classes, uh, 16 units of training uh, in 12 weeks of three hours of training. And what part of California are you in? Uh, right now, the only place we've got classes in is at Neighborhood Church in Castro Valley. Uh, every other month, I do a class there. We do classes with other churches in, in the Tenby area county here. But right now, I'm not, I don't have anything scheduled with any of the other churches. This might be a good reminder to you if you're attending a, a church here in the Bay Area. Talk to your pastor. Ask him if he would help sponsor the Parent Project class. 
and uh, have him get in touch with me, and we'll see what we can do for you. Your work is very needed, and thank you very much. And, Craig, you're still awesome. All right. Thank you, Liz. Appreciate the call. I have to laugh. You mentioned about, uh, well, you have to commit yourself to 12 weeks. I'm thinking, well, most parents understand they're committed for at least 18 years. And in this generation, with the boomerangers, uh, they end up coming back. And so sometimes 18 years turns into 30, well, maybe longer. So all in all, when it comes to the kind of time investment, it's it's pretty worthwhile, isn't it? It is huge. Um the majority of people that come to Parent Project, their children are in their teens. That means that they've already been conditioned, all right? This, these behaviors have been reinforced for years and years. And a lot of these behaviors, don't they come from the family of origin, meaning that I parent this way because that's the way mom and dad Absolutely. parented, and even though sometimes we swear up and down, I'm not going to do it the way my father did it, we wind up doing it that way anyway because we saw so much of it that was what was modeled, so that's what deep down we know. And Craig, even those that I have in my class that I go through this I am seeing families struggle because they have been used to using issues like anger to manage their children. Meaning, meaning uh, child acts out, misbehaves, you immediately respond with anger, raise voice, slamming things around, whatever, whatever your style and might be. And maybe even corporal punishment. Corporal punishment. And the child <laughs> reacts in kind. Absolutely. There's a basic tenet here that I want to kind of share with the audience maybe that might be very helpful. Um, we cannot expect a different behavior from our children than what we model for them. The likelihood of that just is not likely. Yeah, I mean, if you watch a boxing match, uh, the first guy that throws a punch, the other guy doesn't say, now let's talk about this. That's no, right. he throws a punch, a punch back. That's right. Uh, so this is very basic. We need to understand this. Um, I find it amazing. I'll have parents with their children come in for counseling or something, and I'll watch the two as the parents trying to explain to me, wanting me to... Um, reform the child right there give them a magic bullet some kind of a strategy that they can do and i sit here and watch these two argue in front of me and i'm sitting here as the other adult as the counselor saying do you Vern, are you observing the disrespect that's happening in between these two which one's the adult mm. <laughs> because the adult should be modeling respect respect begets respect disrespect begets disrespect if we don't change first as the adult and demonstrate respect to the child, we can't even expect respect. Well, this issue of expectations is very important, too, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we are expecting our child to behave in a certain way or a certain fashion. When we don't get that result, we behave based, again, on our family of origin. When that doesn't work, we think, well, I yelled, you didn't do it right, so if I yell louder or yell longer... Somehow that will make a difference. And in fact, all it does is exacerbate an already bad situation. And so expecting our child to somehow change when we're not willing to change ourselves is really pretty disingenuous. I mean, there's a disconnect from reality there absolute. at the core, isn't there? A huge disconnect, an absolute disconnect. We cannot expect a result when we're demonstrating disrespect, dishonor, um, anger. When we're modeling that, what in the world is the cue to the child? To Give me some feedback, son, daughter. You're going to go to the same level, mm. the same decibel. In fact, it's going to accelerate. It's even going to get further and anger further. Anger begets anger. Respect begets respect. Disrespect begets. So we, as the family leader, have got to understand a very basic concept. Um, now, one of the other things you talked about, expectations. 
I, in counseling with families, will, will, you know, the family want to see the kid change, but they don't believe that he will or she will. So if you in your heart don't believe, then how are you going to react to that child? With, are you going to really give them a real, a genuine expectation? I, can, I expect you to send, change son or daughter. No. When it happens, you're going to say, see, I knew it. Mm. And you've just defeated You just popped that balloon of that, that kid all over again. No, you weren't expecting me to change. And again, you're just, we're not going to move off this anger, this contentious, this environment of hostility. Uh, and that's where our families... So, so when someone are. comes to you and says, you know, my child has a behavior problem, the bigger issue is this isn't a child problem. This it's is really a problem. familial problem. Or an adult problem. Because our, we as adults are the head of the family. We set the leadership role. And if we don't provide that leadership role, uh, I'm going to say in 98% of the cases that I deal with, I deal with, I have dealt with a lot of them in my life, it's an adult problem. Mm-hmm. It's not a dream. And do you see ongoing repeat patterns of behavior in the way the parent and child are relating to each other? And by that, I mean, you know, we, we, it's not. I know that it happens, but it's probably more frequent that a child begins acting out at a younger age and it just grows Worse, they're not always no, absolute perfect angels, and then turn eighteen. It can happen, but oftentimes there's a, there's a pattern here, is there not? Absolutely. And and part of that pattern that seems to be that again this disconnect from reality is this notion. It's almost the the definition of insanity. The parent tries the same method over and over and over and over and over again, thinking, well, if I just do it long enough, if I yell loud enough, that maybe somehow one day eventually they will quote unquote get the message. But that never happens. And the parent never wakes up to the reality. Wait a minute. We've been relating to each other like this as parent and and child for 15 years, 20 years. And you will find that estrangement carries on into their entire life Mm -hmm. and is passing on to the next generation. This is a very serious issue, Craig. Extremely serious. And it's infecting both kids in Christian families And and outside. I would say half the people that come to my parent project, which is a faith-based are, are half of them are non-Christian, desperate for an answer. Mm-hmm. Now, it is very tough for them. When I, as the first session, I'm going to look at them, I'm going to say, listen, if you want to change your home, you've got to change first. If you're not prepared to do that, there's a door. Don't spend your money with me. Don't waste my time. That's a tough one. I can see the panic in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And then the families that will go through the course, I can, I'll talk to many of these families six months later. See, we are creatures of habit. So what happens is I've trained them to do things in a new way, but that takes practice. Yes, that sure. takes time. Yeah. Well, what happens is they become weary in six months. They let the guard down. What is going to happen now? Things may well be worse mm-hmm. because now the kid has seen the. I'm going to use the term hypocrisy of what the parent knows better, but won't continue with. The consistency is so critical. Um, Time for the adults to act like an adult in a lot of cases, isn't it? And a lot of us have a problem with that. We're going to take a time out and come back to more of the conversation, more of your calls. We've got Vern Tyler with us in studio today. He's with uh, Hosanna Pathways and um, the uh, Hosanna Parent Project. By the way, you can get more information on the web at hosannapathways.org. That's hosannapathways.org. Also, the hosannaparentproject.org. Both to get you roundabout to the same location to find out information about having 
a series uh, taught in your local church or, again, attending uh, the classes that are being made available right now at Neighborhood Church in Castro Valley. Also on uh, the phone at 844-KID-HOPE. That's 844-K-I-D-H-O-P-E. Or, again, hosannapathways.org. A brief time out. Back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're coming back to the conversation. Vern Tyler with us today from the Hosanna Parent Project and uh, Hosanna Pathways. Again, more information on the web at hosannapathways.org. We're going to get back to more of your calls. We're going to go to Rob in Vallejo. Rob, good afternoon. Come on in with your question for Vern Tyler. Hi, uh, Mr. Tyler. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, Craig, uh, uh, I love listening to you. you. You bring on a lot of good stuff. Uh, Mr. Tyler, um, I'm a 40-year-old dad, a little background. I, I came from a violent home. Um, I suffered incest and rape. Uh, but I have three children. One was just born a couple weeks ago. And I have a 7-year-old and a 5-year-old. My um, 7-year-old is a boy, and he's a pretty good boy. Um, but I'm having problems with uh, my 5-year-old little girl. Um, she's uh, a little bit more mischievous, and uh, but she's a beautiful little girl, and I love her. Um, but I, you know, going back to you know how we were raised and, and how I was raised, I was raised uh, in a lot of anger. Uh, my parents um, suffered addiction problems, and uh, a lot of that stuff came back to me as a child. And uh, and I see myself as a parent now. Sometimes. Uh, I can get into the mold of my dad who, you know, was a quiet man, except for when you made him upset, then he got real loud and real angry and real violent. And, uh, and I, I noticed those tendencies within myself, but, you know, I curb them to the best of my ability. Um, I try to stay as cool as possible, but I'm going to admit, I don't think I do a very good job. And I'm sensing, you know, that disrespect from my daughter coming back to me and I'm wondering like what advice would you have when I'm getting caught in that moment when I'm feeling that fire come inside of me uh, because my little girl is you know doing the wrong thing or um, talking back uh, how do I what, what should be my first response I don't want to react I want to respond and, and, and just a little coaching would be a very appreciated here because I'm, I'm going to be on my way home tonight and I already know that when I get through the door, and maybe I'm setting myself up for a little bit of failure here, but because I know my little girl and how she can push my buttons, how do I respond when she does start to push my buttons? Let me just uh, give you a little word of encouragement to begin with. with. The emotional issues that you're sensing, those are normal human emotions, so don't beat yourself up over that. The idea you need to do here is work, uh, learn some skills so that you can... Uh, control or manage those times of rage um, even those of us that are professional uh, we become very angry and we can go into rage I've got to check myself daily I'll have situations that arise um, uh, you've got young children don't wait for your five-year-old to get to 15 when she has been in effect conditioned allowed not knowing how to manage these behaviors uh, the longer that goes the more ingrained they become the more they become a habit to her 
you want to find strategies and ways that you can avoid that at an early age. And it's more than just biting your tongue, isn't That's it? I mean, right. she mentioned about, yes. uh, he mentioned about his daughter you know, knowing how to push his buttons, and I bet he knows how to push right back, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, it escalates. She, and, and she probably enjoys that. Mm-hmm. See, strong-willed kids enjoy, that's an adrenaline kind of, a, of an issue. You get into a tit-for-tat, and a little kid that can take on an adult and, um, and uh, uh, match up, I mean, that's that's uh, there, there's some gratification, human gratification that comes from that, even for a five-year-old. So you've got to learn. You need to learn how to walk away from that. You don't argue with children. As adults, we have to learn that. And that's one of the first things I have to teach my parents: is you never argue. You don't have to argue. Uh, if you are a respectful person and expect respect back, uh, one of the first things you understand is I can't argue. I won't argue because it's only going to turn into an angry circumstance. So we avoid that. So, again, in in the training that I try to provide, this is one of the key things to work with families is learn how to avoid arguing. Don't let things escalate. Set the leadership standard of respect. Uh, and then expect respect back. Now, we as parents, I think, naturally want to control the situation. We don't want the five-year-old to beat us. And we are willing sometimes to, to again, engage in that tit-for-tat and escalation because we're determined before this exchange is over with that we're going we're gonna to make our point. We're, gonna, we're going to impress our will upon that child no matter what. And, of course, the child knowing that, and as Rob admits knows how to press his buttons and is going to press right back. Absolutely. When you reach that kind of scenario, when you feel it starting to escalate, are there times, Vern, when it makes sense to just walk away, to not say, I'm here going to beat you down until I win, but rather to say, until we can have a conversation? I wouldn't say walk away as such. Okay. But yes, you do have to distance yourself. But again, it has to be done in a respectful way. So how do you disengage from that? You know, even with a five-year-old, it can escalate pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. How do you, when you feel it starting, you feel that rush coming up inside, and you know Mount Vesuvius is about to blow, how do you disengage from the child without looking as if you're surrendering? It's basically very easy, If again, if you understand the concept. If, as an adult, you are respectful to the child, then you can expect or demand respect back. So if a child starts misbehaving, talking back, misbehaving, or whatever the case, uh, whatever action that might be, uh, or attitude that they're reflecting, um, I just look at the child and I say, honey, I'm not going to argue. I'm going to respect you, and I expect respect back. All right? So can we have a normal, calm conversation about the issue, or do we have to disengage here for a while? Do I need to leave? I see. I'm being respectful. I'm not just simply going to disrespectfully leave, okay. because then the child's going to say, oh, "I won." Yeah, yeah, I won. Or what a disrespectful way to do it. Even a five-year-old understands that. Mm-hmm. But you engage in conversation, and you, if you do have to leave, and many times you're going to have to leave. All right, you leave and say, "I'll be back in five minutes." Maybe only one minute or two minutes for a little five-year-old. I don't know. So you're going to, to separate, and you come back and say, Honey, can we have, now have a good discussion, or do we still need to take some more time? And meanwhile, that's got the child beginning to think in Absolutely. terms of reprogramming the behavior. Because that's they think, right. well, wait a minute now. I used to get satisfaction. His daughter probably gets some satisfaction out of pushing his buttons. Absolutely. Now all of a sudden, well, I push daddy's buttons. See, that's part of the Daddy motivation. didn't respond. 
That's the motivation. Hmm. That's the motivation. I don't know what her what Rob's daughter is like here, but she could well love to engage just to show that she is a big girl and she mm-hmm. can handle herself with her adult father. Mm-hmm. That could be a psychological issue that's very profound here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to judge this not knowing the whole circumstance, but uh, that could very well happen. It, it sounds like uh, Rob would be a good candidate for yes. some training. I mean, what parent wouldn't be? They all, we all need it. We all need it. You're not going to do this, and you're not going to change this behavior. He's not going to get home tonight. Take this approach that you've just mentioned and see his daughter make a 180 by tomorrow morning. No, no. And so see, we got to be committed to this, don't you? That's right. The commitment, the long term, and you've got to model it, and you can't wink at it. See, I'm not going to. I'm not going to take this challenge on now. No, no, you've got to be consistent. When they when our kids bump us with disrespect or bump us with inappropriate behavior, gently bump them back. Honey, we don't do that. Remember? Mm-hmm. That shows disrespect. That's not a righteous behavior. Mm-hmm. Use righteous. How many times do we ever hear anybody ever use the term righteous behavior? For no. those of us in the church, this should be common. And <clears throat> is it important for both parents to be on the same page? Absolutely. Because if one is taking this approach and yet mom still acts out and screams and yells, well, every kid knows if I don't get my way or satisfaction with one parent, I run to the other one. Well, and if it's, if it's an adrenaline thing, you're going to go where you can have get your adrenaline right. Of course. You're going to go to mom. Of course. Now, you've got a number of factors that play into this. So okay. it's very complicated, but yet it's very simple. All right. I, I hope at least to some uh, minute degree that's been of some help to you, Rob. Yeah, it has been, and, and whatever information I could get as far as the church in Castro Valley, uh, where you are offering classes. Um, They're doing classes at Neighborhood Church in Castro Valley, and you can go to hosannapathways.org to get more information. A podcast will be up tonight, too, as well, and you can always recapture tonight's broadcast on our podcast. The other thing they can go to is the Parent Project uh, website, which is www.parentproject.com. And uh-huh. all of the classes, now, I'm the only one that I know of in on the West Coast that's doing the Faith-Based Parent Project. The others are secular. But you'll see all the classes on that uh, on their uh, website, and you can register from their website, too. Uh-huh. Rob, I look that's forward to meeting you, buddy. All right, thanks for the call, Rob. We're going to take a brief time out. Back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Thank you, sir. Back to more of our conversation. Vern Tyler is with us tonight in studio. Vern and his wife, Judy, I guess long about in the 1970s, first got involved in foster parenting. Mm-hmm. And that went from uh, a career in banking, as I recall, right, right. Uh, to uh, now foster parenting kids, over 800 to yours and Judy's credit. And uh, and now taking a lot of that experience that you have, and, you know, for the listener, you talk to a guy who's successfully raised not only three of his own biological children who were all involved in in full-time ministry, but also touched the lives of 800 other kids that they helped raise. You think, I'm about to hear from an expert. So with that in mind, he's sharing some of the insights. We're talking about um, the um, uh, parent project and uh, changing behaviors and patterns of, uh, of the family of origin and giving you the kind of skills necessary uh, to change the direction of your child's life and the entire dynamic within the family. Back to more of your calls. Misty in San Francisco. Come on in with your comment or question for Vern Tyler. Hi, guys. Uh, I just had an observation and a comment. Um, Okay, he mentioned that I believe 98% of people that come into counseling 
really have extreme issues. And my experience out there in the world and with uh, abusive men, etc., is you're dealing with at least 98 to 99% of people that do not live with honor, are dysfunctional, do not process correctly. So they are all raising these kids, and this is a cycle that's just going on and on and on. And you cannot change those people, even under the most extreme circumstances. I mean, it, it, it can take years and they have to be willing and most people just really aren't willing to look inside so it's you know i would like to actually put a a view out there that a lot of people for some reason aren't comfortable with but i don't know why everyone grows up and just has kids a lot of people should not be having kids we're living in an overpopulated world and the dysfunction and the abuse is absolutely out Misty, can I interrupt you here for a little bit? I think I understand where you're coming from. That's a frustration I think that we all share. Uh, but as a human being, a person of faith, I've got to have hope. Uh, and I've got to try to change my world in a positive way. And that's what I'm doing. Uh, now, uh, let me just kind of reinf- uh, reinforce, if you will, one of your points that you made is that people don't want to change. That's so true. And uh, these parents, uh, you know, we've had a couple of calls in here today. I can hear these parents, yeah, they would like to change, but the real question is, will they change? Do they have the will to change? Uh, We can't control people. I can't control people. I can give them information. I can lovingly share with them and encourage them and nurture them. And I hope that they pick up some pointers, pick up some help that will help them, not, not only themselves, but the next generation, well, their and families. There's, and there's a fundamental point that I think you're both making here. Number one, I, I, I certainly concur with Misty, and I think a lot of us out there, we we see parents, you know, whether we right. read the stories about what's going on in a family or we watch them, you know, at, at the store and the way that And I've cared for 800 of those kids. And you think to yourself... <laughs> Whatever made that person think that they want to get together with with a, a member of the opposite sex and procreate? There, there ought to be a you know a law. <laughs> that said, it's going to happen. Yes, you're not going to stop them. You're not going to ever get a point in society that says you have to have a license and pass the test to pre-qualify you for as parent. I mean, that may, maybe in some society someday, should uh, should Jesus tarry, that that might be the case. But at this point, the reality is, yes, bad people who come from bad families, grew up to be bad parents and raise bad kids, and the cycle and the process repeats. All of that said, many of these parents that you run into start the dialogue with, help me change my child. But that means you've got to change and There's the key. And this is, I think, part That's of what, what, Misty is. what Misty is saying. Misty, you're right. Yeah. It really starts with the parent having to change first because they're kind of the initiator of the problem. And again, I want to be fair to parents out there. I know there are some parents out yes. that say, well, wait a minute. Well, I'm a pastor. We've done all the right things. We've loved our kids and given them everything and tried to teach them all of the, uh, the proper things. And they still went awry. And it happens because we all have free will mm-hmm. and we're going to make choices mm-hmm. and we're not always going to make the right choices. Mm-hmm. But you also need to be equipped the skills necessary that can help you change some of that direction and dialogue. And you know what? Some parents are going to do their best and they're going to go to a, a program like this and they're going to learn the skills and they're going to change things and the kid's still going to wind up in San Quentin. Yeah. Yes. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's a larger percentage for whom 
there's real hope in this. And sometimes it's the only hope that they have. Not to change their kids, but start by changing what you can control. You're not going to control your kids, and you know what? If you admit it deep down, you know that. Right. But you can change yourself. And help your kids change Mm -hmm. by changing yourself. Misty, great questions, great comment. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call tonight, Misty. As we wind down our time, we've touched on, I think, some basic principles here today. There's there's so much deeper that we need to go to. I'm struck by the fact that uh, uh, in one community where the parenting project was put to use, the police had reported that they had received in a one-year period of time from 15 families that got to be the familiar addresses that the police had received 87 phone calls from 15 families. Now, that's an average of like six phone calls from each of these families with domestic disputes and issues going on, the child misbehaving, you know, my son stole my car, my he hit my wife, that kind of stuff. These families in this community, these 15 families, went through the parenting project, and then they began to apply the skills that they had learned in changing themselves And from the police department, one year later, here are the results. A year before, 87 phone calls to the police from 15 families. One year later, the same 15 families, four telephone calls to the police department. Now, that says to me that there was something that changed. Yes. And so I think it's it's indicative of the fact that there is hope out there. The change begins with you as a parent. And to learn those skills, again, more information available at hosannapathways.org. That's hosannapathways.org. There are classes right now taking place here in the Bay Area at Neighborhood Church in Castor Valley. If you'd like to call and say, wow, we need this in our church. How do we get it going? How can we get plugged in? Go to hosannapathways.org or call 844-KID-HOPE. That's 844-K-I-D-H-O-P-E. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It's a disease which impacts more than 20 million Americans. And while our understanding of its origins and its impact on our body is increasing, sadly then, too, are the number of diagnosed cases every single year. I'm speaking of type 2 diabetes. And as we speak about the 20 million Americans that it impacts on this very day, the big question is, what is it? How does it impact us? And most importantly, what can be done to reverse the impact of diabetes without medication? Joining me in studio today is Dr. John Dong, a board-certified integrative health specialist, licensed with the Pastoral Medical Association, and author of the free report, The Truth About Your Diabetes and How to Get Rid of It Once and for All Without Drugs or Insulin. Dr. Dong, great to have you with us again. Thank you, Craig. So, Doctor, explain to us why your passion and interest specifically in the arena of diabetes and thyroid disease. Diabetes, because my dad, he, he was a diabetic uh, when he was uh, 60 years old. And my mom, she has a Hashimoto autoimmunity, which is her only immune system is attacking her thyroid. Something is not working because my dad was a diabetic and he has an open heart surgery at the age of 60. That concerns me a lot. What I was thinking is that if he has an open heart surgery at the age of 60, I would have an open heart surgery at an earlier age, which is like 55. So therefore, I need to do something like take actions for my health. I need to do something that will impact my dad's health for the futures and also impact my health and also impact on my kids. Therefore, I study functional medicines. I always 
have a belief is that the body is able to heal itself because God gave us the power to heal. The healing should be inside out instead of outside in, which is the medication. So I have that belief. And then I started studying functional medicines. And I said, my dad was a diabetic. He's no longer taking any diabetic medications. And my mom says the same thing. She has a thyroid problem. Her thyroid is affecting her health. It's also affecting her job because she's making a lot of mistakes at work. Have two warning letters. So not until that I studied functional medicines. Not until I did all the appropriate tests to identify that she have an autoimmunity and uh, um, help her body to fix it. And she still, um, to this day, she still have her jobs and her health is getting better. When we talk about the impact of diabetes, we know that there are certainly two types of diabetes, juvenile diabetes, yes. essentially you're born with, and then adult onset or type 2 diabetes. The fact that we're seeing such an alarming increase in the diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, what do we attribute to that? Is that largely because of lifestyle and diet? Lifestyle and diet can be a factor to it, but there's, there's more. People are not impacted. With the food that they are eating, that can be a big aspect as well because a lot of the uh, the problem that we're facing, the, a lot of disease that we're facing is autoimmunity. Your own immune system is starting to affecting your bodies. So the food that we're eating, for example, the genetic modified food, can be one that affected that's affecting the guts. So food with additives, preservatives, lots of chemical base in them. And yes, it's actually triggering the body's own immune system, and, and essentially, what the, the body's attacking itself. Yes, ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. What happened is that most most of the diet is we either eat from a bag, a bottle, or a can. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of preservatives, so it's affecting the the gut. When it's affecting the guts. There's the cause inflammation of the guts, so the the body will send signals to start attacking, attacking your own tissue. To start with, most of the time you start with the gut. Eighty percent of the immune system is in the gut. We call it the second brain. So not only that, we have to take a look at the blood sugars. We have to take a look at elsewhere too. The blood sugars is controlled by the liver, right? And also because the liver is making sugars and then also the pancreas is making insulin. So that's the two organs that directly have an impact on your blood sugars. But not only that, we have to take a look at the adrenal gland. People are feeling very tired, feeling very fatigued. That's more for, for the adrenal gland. Can't sleep at night, having a hard time staying asleep. Okay, We have to take a closer look at their adrenals. Another example is that when people have pain and they're taking cortisone injections or taking some cortisone, they will see that their fluctuation of their blood sugars, actually the blood sugars increase when they have cortisone. The cortisone is made to the adrenal. That's just an example of how it's the adrenal is affecting the blood sugars. The thyroid and the gut, is, like, like I said earlier, is related. Um, we have to take a closer look at the autoimmunity. So we have to chase the root cause of the problem so that we can fix the body so the body can actually heal itself so you have better health. From a healthcare professional's perspective, let's talk a bit about the approach that traditional healthcare model has taken in addressing these issues. Normally, an individual has a diagnosis of adult onset or type 2 diabetes. There might be a recommendation for insulin, either by injection or by pill, other methodology that's in an effort to try and bring it back balance to the blood sugars. But is that necessarily the healthiest way to approach this? It would almost seem to be more of a, an approach dealing with the symptoms as opposed to the root cause. Exactly. When I was talking about like the conventional way of dealing with it, safe life because it's dealing with acute 
Okay, like if I have a heart attack, if if there's a surgery that's needed, it will save my life. That's a good way of like acute emergency onset. But when you're doing with diabetes, which is considered as a chronic condition, if you're using the different models of approach of dealing uh, with the diabetes. It's not going to be effective because that's just dealing with the symptoms. Like insulin is dealing with the blood sugars. It's not fixing the root cause of the problem. Therefore, we have to look what else other than just the blood sugars can be a potential harm to our body and uh, so that the, the disease process of the diabetes would not get worse. Mm-hmm. Because we know that diabetic patients are suffering because once they are on medications and then their doses get increased to a point that they need insulin. So the problem is not resolved. So what we need to do is that we need to find out what is wrong with the bodies? What's wrong with the system? And we need to detect it correctly, doing all the appropriate tests to find out what is wrong with it and then fix the issue. Failure to do so comes with a whole host of other severe side effects, does it not? I mean, we often hear about cases where um, patients with diabetes have issues in terms of uh, blood flow to the extremities. We hear cases in extreme situations where they have to have an amputation of a foot, um, kidney disease, um, hypertension. What else? And also like the vision issue. And the problem is that they are taking all the medications to control the blood sugars. However, they are still facing a lot of disease that you just mentioned previously, neuropathy, vision problem, kidney dialysis, and worst of all, of course, the amputation of the foot or the leg. Because the underlying reason is not the blood sugars only. It is elsewhere that we need to manage. We have to manage the bodies. I call it the five pillar of health, the detoxifications, the nutrition. You have to put in the right nutrition so the body can heal. The exercise, the hormones, and also the nervous system. We have to face with all angles so that the body is able to function as it's optimal and the body is able to heal itself. If folks want to get more information, and again, I'll mention that this free consultation, a $287 value, is free to the first 25 callers. Simply call area code 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. You can also get more information on the web at eastbaydiabetesdoctor.com. That's eastbaydiabetesdoctor.com. We talk about the issue of diabetes type 2 in particular. Do you find a lot of patients, Dr. Dong, that have kind of resigned themselves to this is my fate? Uh, my parents had diabetes before me. This is kind of the, the genetic line here. And so I'm just going to take the insulin and do the best I can. Do you meet a lot of patients that have that attitude? And what is their response when you tell them, look, you don't have to relegate yourself to living with diabetes, that in fact, this is reversible? We need to have hope. Where do we get the hope? Because the power uh, already given to us. Don't look elsewhere. The first thing that you need to do is to look inside you. We are the source of the diseases. When we take responsibility that is our fault, then we can make changes to improve any health condition that we have. Because the genetic disposition is nothing that you can change. If it's part of your genetic history, it's part of your genetic history. But so much of what you're suggesting here today, doctor, is that much of causal of this is lifestyle. lifestyle. 80% is lifestyle and 20% is genetics because his genes can be active or inactive, okay? Like cancer genes, but it's either on or off. Mm -hmm. So lifestyle really trumps genetics. So there's always hope that we can reverse the, the health issue that we have. So your real goal here is to turn off that diabetes, that type 2 diabetes switch through diagnosis number one and then secondarily lifestyle change. 
Once people get involved in the program, what kind of results are you seeing? How is their how is their life changing in terms of the quality of their health? They come in, they smile more. I'm reducing my medications, not only one, but multiple, because a lot of diabetic, they have pain as well. They're taking strong pain medications as well. So not only that we help them to reduce the medication naturally, systematically, with the doctors, with their medical doctor's permission to do so. We do things very systematic in the procedures that they will be having the most benefit for their health. It's almost a partnership then in that sense. It has to be a partnership. My job is to help you to find out what is wrong with it and then coach you along the pathway and give you the educations and give you the right direction how we can reverse the health issue that you have together. So imagine reversing the process of the impact of diabetes. And as Dr. Dong mentioned earlier, we talk about some of the ancillary issues that it's creating, hypertension, high cholesterol, kidney disease, blindness, uh, loss of extremities at the extreme end of the impact of diabetes, getting to the source of the problem, and then a lifestyle change that will allow you to once again encourage your body or give your body the tools that it needs in order to begin healing itself. Can you imagine finally being free of the impact of diabetes? Find out more. To the first 25 callers, you can receive a complimentary consultation, a $287 value without cost or obligation. Simply call area code 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. The offices of Dr. John Dong, East Bay Thyroid and Diabetes Institute. Again, information too on the web, eastbaydiabetesdoctor.com. That's eastbaydiabetesdoctor.com. Or to call to schedule your free consultation, again, a $287 value. Yours absolutely free for the first 25 callers. So call now, 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Dr. Dong, we appreciate you coming in today and sharing this exciting news. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.